message. So if you were really into it after the service today, just go back to uh, the sermons and you can pick up the remainder of last week's sermon that was airing. It was a pretty decent one, so um, it, it, I'm sure the Holy Spirit will speak to you. But today, uh, this is Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches. For all of you that are tuned in, I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. We're glad you're here today. Um, first thing we ought to do is, is open up in prayer, okay? All right, so let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, here we are before your throne. Lord, there's a 25-minute delay on this beginning, Lord, and I don't know why it, it has happened, but Lord, you can, you can direct people online. Maybe, maybe uh, you were just waiting for that last person on the face of the earth that's going to listen to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then maybe that person that needs to accept you as a Savior or that person that needs to return to his first love, which is Jesus Christ. Lord, today we invite your presence into this place, Lord. We ask that your Holy Spirit would speak to each and every one of us, those that are here today, those that are all online, and those that will be listening down the road to the recording, Lord. Well, Lord, we pray for you to receive all the glory. And Lord, today uh, we... We see turmoil throughout the world and throughout the United States of America, Lord. We come uh, and lift up our prayers before you, Lord God, that uh, you would move in the world and in the church and in America, Lord God. We know you are, but let your people see the work of your Holy Spirit as he goes forth and um, preaches the gospel through your servants down here on earth. And to you be the glory for it, Lord. We thank you, praise you, in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen and amen. Amen. God bless you, part church. Again, we don't know what God does, uh, allows things to happen, but it does happen. And, and we're happy uh, that he's in control and not us. Because we only see this little picture that we're involved in. We don't see the whole painting that he's doing throughout the world. So... Anyway, um, you know, grab your Bible. We are turning to James chapter 5, verse 19 and 20. And we're going to read a passage in Second Chronicles also. Second um, uh, Chronicles about King Josiah. So, um, for those of you online, you can check us out, find out what we're all about by um, just going to menu. You can find out you know, what we believe in. You can find out our ministries. You can donate online, which the church needs to be aware today, not just this church, but the entire church around the, around the United States, around the world. And you need to continue to support your churches. Your tithe goes to your church. If you're listening to a message from another pastor, you may want to give them a gift so you can send it in. You just go online, freedomchurchpb.org, if you want to give to this church from hearing this sermon here today. Um, and remember, support your churches. You know, the, the gospel goes on, whether you're in church or not. So, you know what? If you're out of church for five weeks and you've been paid five times, and you need to donate your tithe. Don't, don't just give up and say, hey, oh, I'll continue. No, the work goes on. The tithe goes on, and uh, the blessing will be blessed to you. God says, test me in this, and see if I will not open up the floodgates of heaven and pour down a blessing so great that you will not be able to contain it. So test the Lord. 
see if he'll do it, which he he will. He always honors his word. The word of God is living, active, sharper than any two-edged sword, and we know that that um, God hears the cheerful giver. Anyway, we're glad you're here. Um, for those of you here, there's masks in the back, gloves in the back. You know, you can keep your social distancing. Uh, that would be that would be great. Listen, we're going to do a series. I've I've um, I've um, I'm on a series, and I believe this is where the Lord wants me to turn. You know, I've done a series about ten years ago. It was called About Face. It's about the Christian soldier that has backslidden, or one that isn't even a Christian soldier. But um, we're gonna we're gonna do a series. I don't know how long it'll take because. Uh, it depends on how much I get through each week. But this is uh, about an eight-point study, and we're going to do one point every week, or maybe even split a couple weeks, you know, and go a couple weeks on one. But I want to read James chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. This is the Apostle James speaking, who is the half-brother of our Lord Jesus. And you know... The half-brother is, he is the, he, James is the son of Mary and Joseph. Jesus, of course, is the son of Mary and the Holy Spirit who overshadowed, so, um, Mary. So we know that Jesus' father is our father who art in heaven, and holy is his name. Amen. So here's verse 19 of James chapter 5 and 20. My brethren, if any among you strays from the truth, and one turns him back, let him know that he has turned a sinner from the error of his ways until, uh, and will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. As I, as I said, you know, this is a message about recommitment. It's about repentance. It's about God wants you. It's not Uncle Sam that wants you. It's God that wants you. So our primary passage is going to be in uh, 2 Chronicles, verse 34. 2 Chronicles, verse 34. And we'll be reading that. But first of all, I want to um, establish why this message is on my heart again after about 10 years. Of course, it has been revised and revamped. And even being put in, put into a book right now as we speak. But I've been a believer for a long time, and uh, it's about 43, 44 years coming up. And I have been really saddened by former Christians, former soldiers that have been struggling with their Christian life and even in life itself. You know, us who were our believers in Jesus, we are soldiers, whether you know it or not. Second Timothy chapter 2, and let me read it to you, verse 3 and 4. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. Here's what Paul tells Timothy. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ. 
No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who has enlisted him as a soldier. You have been, if you've been a believer in Jesus Christ, you have been enlisted in the army of God, whether you know it or not. Onward, Christian soldier. That is who we are, what we are. We don't fight with carnal weapons. We fight with weapons that are strong and mighty through God. They pull down strongholds. They cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against God and brings into captivity every thought that the obedience of Christ in this world. You fight with weapons that are not of this world. There's a shield of faith, a sword of the spirit, and many other, which we're going to get into as we move through this study. But I'm I've been worried and struggled myself in the beginning of my Christian walk, you know, struggling with life. Once, once you were a brave, courageous, disciplined Christian soldier, and you were in active duty to your country, but now you've slipped back. Many of us Christians have surrendered our discipline, our courage, our valor, and even our integrity. that we once possessed. We have followed, some of us, after the enemy of our soul who is trying to defeat us. And he has gained ground. And we, some of us, have succumbed to the enemy and walked outside of the perimeter of God. You know where the, bar, the barbed wire is? The barbed wire. We walked outside the barbed wire into enemy territory. And he has captured some of us. And he has put us into dungeons of darkness and despair and hopelessness and, and a dungeon of complacency. We have become prisoners of war, some of us. The dignity which you once had, we held your chest out and your, your head up high, has now been succumbed by shame. Today, some of our soul Christian soldiers, their heads hang in defeat. We live in total sorrow, frustration, disappointment, and even discontented and unsatisfied with our walk with the Lord. We begin to ma march to a different drummer. We begin to march to a different captain. Satan has taken us away on candy-coated booty booby traps of drugs and alcohol, women, pornography, sex outside of marriage, and etc. The devil has marched many of us far away from our true captain, Jesus Christ. And he has tempted us with lusts and sin that brings us to death, which is the, the LSD of our soul. And you are now on a merciless bad trip. This study is designed to help the Christian soldiers get back on their feet and use biblical military tactics and insights to make an about face in your life and come back inside the perimeter of the Lord. It's time to come back into the stronghold of God for many of us out there. Inside the perimeter of God, 
you will be protected by him. And you will learn how to use effectively your shield of faith and your sword of the Spirit. If you step inside the back inside the perimeter of God, you will be protected by him. David was outside the perimeter in the enemy territory when Saul was chasing him. And one of the prophets came to him and said, David, go back inside the perimeter. And he did so. It's time, Christian soldier, to reclaim your courage. It's time for you to fasten up your bootstraps, salvage your integrity, and forward march once again with self-respect and in obedience to your commanding officer, Jesus Christ. You must hear the words of your captain again saying, I want you, I want you back, and do an about face and repent. And you can re-enlist no matter where you've been, what you have done, no matter what your age is, you can re-enlist by repenting, renewing your relationship with the Lord, refreshing your walk in Jesus Christ, and being reborn once again back to the living God. You can put on the human form of Christ once again, being fully equipped, fully dressed for battle. And then you can stand at attention humbly and proudly with your chest out and your head held high once again. You can be a soldier of light in the army of the living God. See, church, many of us have forgotten that the war of all the ages is still going on. The war is not the seven-year war or the 15-year war of Vietnam or the three-year war of Korea or the many years in World War I or World War II. We have been fighting a battle of that has been going on for the ages. You can check it out in Daniel chapter 7 where you can see the wage, the war being raised between the ancient of days, the son of man, and the devil who's offering and, you know, calling out boasts against the Lord God Almighty. You are in the, the war of all the ages, and it's time for us Christian soldiers to step back up and gain our integrity and march again to the captain, Jesus Christ. It's time for you to wake up a ten up and about face. Today, this message is about an about face made in Scripture. Many, many people over the, the course of reading through the Bible have made an about face. Josiah is one of them. We're going to read about him in Second Chronicles chapter um, 34, verses 1 through 7. I want you to know one thing. Josiah is the son of King Amon, who was a bad king. He was also the grandson of another bad king called Manasseh. And Manasseh, as you well know, he was the one who actually had the prophet Isaiah sawn in two while he was alive. And Manasseh reigned for 51 years, but in those later years of his life, 
about two or three years prior to his death, he returned to the Lord. It's time for you to return to the Lord. He was born again, I guess you could say, in an Old Testament way, just like King Josiah. And here's King Josiah, and we're going to read chapter 34 of Second Chronicles, the first seven verses, and let me read them to you. I'm reading from the New American Standard here. Josiah was eight years old when he came, became king, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem, and he did right in the sight of the Lord, and he walked in the ways of his father David and did not turn aside to the right or to the left. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still a youth, that would make him 16 years old, he began to seek God of his father David. And in the twelfth year of his reign, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places and the ashram and the carved image and the molten images. They tore down the altars of the Baals and his presence and in his and the altar incenses that were high above them. He chopped them down also the ashram the carved images and the molten images, and he broke in pieces and ground to powder and scattered it on the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. Then he burned the bones of the priests on their altars and purged Jeru Judah and Jerusalem in the city of Manasseh, Ephraim, Sema, Simeon, and as far as Naphtali in their surrounding ruins. He also tore down the altars and beat the ashram and carved images into powder and chopped down all the incense altars throughout the land of Israel. Then he returned to Jerusalem. Notice the first person there. Then he returned back to Jerusalem. He was about 20 years old, 18 to 20 years old at this time. He went with his men to cut down and and uh, burn and crush into powder the things that were were not of God. See, he he had found the scrolls of the Lord, and he began to read. What this passage is saying to us: Here's a little child that is going to lead you and me back to the Lord Jesus Christ. He was eight years old, and he made his commitment to the Lord. At 16, he began to tear down all the ashram and all the bad things and all the worst, the uh, evil things done in Jerusalem. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord, even while he was a teenager, church. Some of us are well beyond our teenage years, and we have walked away from the Lord. Some of you are already teenagers. I give you credit and courage and strength from the Lord to continue hanging in there for the Lord, you young men and young women of the Lord. Here's what he did. Josiah, he was absolutely committed to the Lord God Almighty. What he did was right in God's sight. He walked in the ways of his father's David, and he did not turn aside to the right or to the left. 2 Kings 23:25 says this, Now before him there was no king like him. This is King Josiah who turned to the Lord with all of his heart 
and all of his soul and with all of his might, according to the law of Moses, nor after him did any arise like King Josiah. Wouldn't you love the Lord to say that about you? I'm sure when Josiah got to the kingdom of heaven, the Lord said something like this, Well done, my good and faithful servant Josiah. Well done. He was absolutely committed to the Lord God. It's time for you and me to be absolutely committed to the Lord. This world is going downhill in a, in a handbasket, as you well know. It's time for us to return. It starts with revival with us. People say, let there be a revival. I'll tell you what, revival has always been here. It's you and me that have been lacking. We need to commit ourselves to the Lord like King Josiah. He didn't care about his 8-year-old friends. He didn't care about his 16-year-old peers. He didn't care. He went after the Lord God with his whole heart, with his whole soul, and with all of his might. And it's time for us to do the same. It's time for us to clean house like, like King Josiah did. He was cleaning house for the Lord. He began to purge all of Judah and Jerusalem, says 2 Kings 23. He began to clean up and decontaminate and tear down your altars of sin that have easily besetted you. He began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places and the wooden things and the carved images and the molten images. He broke down the altars to the Baals. Josiah, this young king, means business well into his, his, his years, into his reign of 31 years, as we just read. He tore down the incense altars, which were above them, and he cut them down, all the wooden images and the carved images, and he beat them into power. Notice the first person. He went along with, he didn't just give the order, he went with them. Exodus chapter 32, verse 30 says that the golden calf was beat into powder and Moses threw it into the brook and he made Israel drink the water. And that's basically on the same text as what Josiah is doing here. He, he tore these idols down, beat them into powder, and spread them on the graves of those that worshipped them. It's time to get serious. It's time for us Christians to mean business and be committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. He burned down the bones of the priests on their altars. He took the bones of the priests, the false priests, and, and he burned it on the altar. He did that in the cities of Manasseh and Ephraim and Eph Simeon and Naphtali. He broke down their altars and wooden images. He had beaten the carved images again into powder. He cut down all the incense altars throughout the land of Israel. Do you mean business like Josiah did? Do I mean business and our commitment to the Lord God Almighty? Are we serious about our walk with the Lord? It's time for you and me to repent and commit to the Lord God Almighty. 
to do his business. And then it says that he, Josiah, returned to Jerusalem, so we must do this to ourselves. If we read on in 2 Kings 23, verses 4 through 10, let me read this. This is important to drive home my point. The king, this, this is Josiah, commanded Hilkiah the priest, the priests of the second order, and the doorkeepers to bring out of the temple of the Lord all the articles that were for Baal and for Asherah and for all the hosts of heaven. And he burned them outside of Jerusalem in the fields of Kendron, and he carried their ashes to Bethel, and he removed the adulterous priests whom the king of Judah had ordained to burn entrance incense on the high places in the city of Judah and in the places all around Jerusalem and those who burn incense to Baal listen to this to the sun to the moon to the constellations and to all the hosts of heaven and he brought out the wooden images from the house of the Lord to the brook of Kendron outside of Jerusalem burned it at the brook of Kendron and threw its ashes into the brook and the ashes of the grave onto the common people. Then he tore down the ritual booths <coughs> of the perverted persons that were in the house of the Lord. And the women wove hangings for the wooden images. And he brought out all the priests from the city of Judah and, def and defiled the high places where the high priests had burned incense from Geb Jebda to Beersheba. He also broke down the high places at the gates, which were at the entrance of the gate of Joshua, the governor of the city, which were to the left of the city gate. Nevertheless, the high priests and the high places did not come down to the altar of the Lord in Jerusalem, but they ate unleavened bread among the brethren, and he defiled Tophath, which is in the valley of the Hinnon, that no man might make his son or daughter pass through the fire of Molech. You know what this is saying? It's saying, get rid of your idols. Those of you that worship the sun, the moon, the constellations, and the hosts of heaven, people that are involved in Christian people who are involved in horoscopes. You need to quit it right now. You need to quit reading the horoscopes in the paper on Sunday or wherever you come across it. Listen, you're to worship the Lord God and Him alone. You're to have no other gods before Him. That's what the Scriptures say. And down here at the body, the valley of Hinnom, the son of Hinnom, is the dung gate and the valley gate where, where is, is where they made their sons and daughters pass through the fires of Molech. And I've said many times, Molech is none other today than the spirit of abortion. We need to wake up, church. Abortion. No longer is the fire outside the body of the little children that they place on the fires of Molech in the dung, outside the dung gate. And the valley gate. 
Now they shoot the fire into the baby while it's still in its mother's womb. If you talk about gross, that is gross. We need to realize what is really happening. For those of us that voted the wrong way for a, for a platform that wants to have babies aborted, you know that you are voting in the wrong direction, and we, you're actually participating. I wouldn't give them my vote if I was on my last breath. They're evil. Children are created by God in the womb of the mother, and it is clear from Scripture that it is. We need to turn away from it, hire a platform in the world and in the United States that, that loves children. It's written in the Bible that a baby shall lead them. It's written in the Bible to let the little children come unto God, Jesus, because, you know, thou such is the kingdom of heaven. It's saying here no horoscopes, people. It's saying here no tarot cards, people. It's saying here no crystals, people. It's just the Word of God and fellowship and communion with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is not an easy message. You need to about face and turn back to the Lord God Almighty because some of us Christians have entered into a state of complacency in our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's time for us to wake up. <clears throat> you need to remove your idols. You need to get rid of those things that don't belong. Pornography, adultery, fornication, foul language, coarse jesting, laughing at somebody else's gross and dirty joke. Where is our fire? Where is our heart to turn away from these things? You need to put the high priest, Jesus Christ, back onto the throne of your life and do an about face and come back to the Lord God Almighty. You need to tear down Satan's strongholds in your life. Even a Christian can have strongholds. A lot of people say, well, a Christian can't be possessed. That is true. Don't even use the word possessed. They have a stronghold within you. If you gravitate towards porn, if you gravitate towards drugs and alcohol, you have a stronghold in your life. It's time to throw a grenade into the stronghold within your temple. That grenade is the blood and of the Lord Jesus Christ that will blow them to smithereens and clear out that stronghold within this temple. Don't you know that your temp you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Don't you know that? You cannot allow strongholds in our life. And every one of us have done it. I'm as guilty as you. I'm not saying Joe's so holy. I most certainly am not. I wonder every time why God would even put me in the pulpit. Because I'm a sinner, but every time he comes back, who would I put there? You're all sinners. There's only one that wasn't a sinner, and that was my son, Jesus Christ, and he taught you how to walk in my ways. Josiah meant business, and it's time for us to mean business. Our responsibility from now on 
is not to trust in chariots, not to trust in horses, but to put our faith and trust in the Lord God. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we, the saints of the Most High God, who are in Jesus Christ, trust in the Lord with all our hearts. You're a temple of the Holy Spirit, church. Josiah cleaned out the temple. We need to clean out this temple where the enemy has strongholds. And every one of us, I don't care who you are, I don't care if you're the greatest preacher on the face of the earth, you have a stronghold somewhere. It might be smaller than most people, but you have a stronghold. It's time for us to get right with the Lord. Joshua cleaned the temple, and we also are to clean out this temple. Jesus did the same thing in John chapter 2. He cleaned out the temple from the money changers who were ripping people off in the temple. And when that curtain was torn on, on, on well, what I could say, on the day Jesus had died, on that day when that temple was torn, that curtain was torn, the Holy Spirit who was in the Ark of the Covenant became radiating through the entire temple of God. And that's what we need to do now. We need to understand that Jesus tore open the veil in our heart and let the Holy Spirit reign in every nook and every cranny of this temple, which is the Holy Spirit. You are, no, you are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. Josiah cleaned up the temple. We need to clean up our temple just like Josiah did, cleansing it. These things that were taught to us right here and by King Josiah and by Jesus Christ is just a shadow so that we can see what is really happening. Not only was Josiah absolutely committed, not only did he absolutely cleanse his temple he was absolutely dedicated to the Lord God here's what it says in 2nd Chronicles 34 verse 31 and he made all who were present in Jerusalem and in Benjamin Benjamin take a stand it's time for us church to take a stand right now Right in this community, there is a church that's holding worship services. They've been doing it for six or seven whole days now. And now the city of, of Palm Springs, Florida, is now suing them and fining them $5,000 a day because they're worshiping the Lord. They say it's in violation to the code, you know, six-foot social distancing. Our governor says the churches can remain open. It's time for the church to trust the Lord and believe that God is going to keep evil from us because we dwell in the shelter of the Most High, because we abide in the shadow of the Almighty. It's time for them to take a lesson I hope God moves and shakes those cities so bad that they wake up to the Lord God Almighty as He is speaking to this world. In California, the same thing is happening. And we must take a stand. Are we in or are we out? Are we ashamed of Jesus 
Or are we not ashamed of Jesus and make even us the power of God? Lukewarm is putrid to the Lord God, as we know from Revelation chapter 3, verses 16. Laodicea was a lukewarm church, and they were putrid to the Lord. He said, I'll spit you out of my mouth unless you're hot or cold. So quit straddling the fence. Are you with the Lord or are you with the world? No more one foot in the world than one foot in the kingdom. It's time for you to go all out. It's time for me to go all out and no longer be lukewarm. King Josiah had absolute conviction. It says here in 2 Kings 22, Thus says the Lord God of Israel concerning the words which I have heard, because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I spoke against this place and against the inhabitants, that they would become a desolation and a curse, and you tore your clothes and you wept before me. I also have heard you, says the Lord. Surely, therefore, I will gather you to your fathers, and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace, and your eyes shall not see all the calamity which I will bring on this place. You want absolute conviction? He was absolutely convicted. He was tender-hearted. Josiah, he was humble. He tore his clothes at the, the thought. And he wept before the Lord, and because of that, God heard him. Isaiah 66, 2 says this. God is talking through Isaiah. He says, To this one I look, he who is humble, he who is contrite of spirit, and trembles at my word. Do you tremble at God's word? Do I tremble at God's word? Let's tremble once again at the Lord God Almighty. It's time for us to be utterly surrendered to the Lord. Like Josiah, there was no servant, no king who was turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul, with all his might like King Josiah. How about you and I? Could God say there is no servant like Joe Trapani who served Messiah with all his heart? and soul, and might. I want that for me. I want to serve the Lord with all my heart, all my soul, and with all my might. Do you? Are we going to keep straddling that fence? One foot in the kingdom, one foot in the, in the, in the world? You're too in love with the, with the Lord to be happy in the world, and you're too in love with the world to be happy with the Lord. We got work to do, church. It's time for us to wake up. Because of King Josiah's commitment to the Lord, his reward was God was going to stay his anger until after Josiah's gone. You know what? I pray that that's us, the church today, that we're so committed, absolutely surrendered to the Lord, that God stays his anger until us and our children are gone from this world. God stayed his anger when King Hezekiah 
was confronted by King Shennacherib of Assyria. After he had just defeated the ten tribes of northern Israel, he came against the southern tribes of Judah and Benjamin. And he said, Your God didn't help your brothers, the ten tribes on the north, and he will not defeat me either. King Hezekiah took that letter before the altar of the Lord. He threw it down at the altar and said, Lord, basically in prayer, this is your problem. I have served you with my whole heart and all my soul all the days of my life. And God said, don't you worry about it. And that very night, because, because of his commitment to the Lord God Almighty and the Israel that followed him, God stayed his anger God sent an angel through the Assyrian camp, wiped out 185,000 military troops of Assyria, and sent Shennacherib back to his hometown with his tail between his legs. When he worshipped at his God, altar of his God, his two sons came in and killed him with the sword. Listen. If we hang on to the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our might, we're utterly surrendered to the Lord. He will protect you. He will protect me. And instead of falling in 722 B.C. like the ten northern tribes, the king Shennacherib, the southern tribes continued on till 586 B.C. when King Nebuchadnezzar took them over because the kings after Josiah just got worse and worse and worse. And they led Israel into sin. Can God work if you're only halfway surrendered to the Lord? According to what I see in the scripture, not so much. Josiah's legacy, he was wholly committed. He was completely cleansed by his repentance, his tender heart. His humility in tearing his clothes and weeping. He was totally devoted. He was not lukewarm whatsoever. He was passionate about his commitment to the Lord God. How about you and me? Are we compassionate to our commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ? He repented and had revival within himself. But not only that, all of Israel was in revival. As the king goes, so goes the nation. Right now, our king is not so hot. If you want to call him a king, which he isn't. He was totally devoted and totally surrendered to the Lord God Almighty. James tells us, in James 1.8, it says, it says, the double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. If you're double-minded, you want to serve God, but you want to serve the world. If you want to serve God, you're really serving the devil. Then you are a double-minded man, and that word in Greek is disukos, double-minded, which means two-souled, S-O-U-L-E-D, two-souled. God don't want two-souled people. 
He wants you to be absolutely committed because you'll be unstable in all your ways. He wants you to be like Joshua who said things like this. You can choose for yourself who you will serve, whether the Amorites, the Perizzites, the, the Asherites, and the whateverites. He said, but as me, for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. I pray that me and my wife will serve the Lord. Even King David in Psalm 86, 11 said this. As he prayed to the Lord, he said, Lord, give me an undivided heart. A double-minded man has a divided heart. David says, I don't want to be double-minded. I don't want to be double-souled. I want to be yours totally and completely I want an undivided heart. Can you pray that? Can I pray that? Give me an undivided heart, O oh God. There was even another person. His name was Elisha. He stood up on Mount Carmel. And as the, the prophets of Baal cut themselves and cried out to Baal to let fire come down and consume the offering. It didn't happen. But Elijah, he put the offering on the altar, poured a bunch of water over it several times, called fire down from heaven, and the fire came from heaven and consumed the offering and it lapped up all the water in the trench. And Elisha said this. He said it something like this. Is the Lord God or is Baal God? You make a decision. You need to make that decision right now. Is the Lord God God? Because quit wavering is what Elijah said. Between two opinions. You just saw the fire fall down from heaven on this. If the Lord be God, serve him. And you know that the Lord Jesus Christ is God. 365 prophecies in the Old Testament point to one man, Jesus Christ, which no other man could ever claim. I remember that day. It was about 40 years ago, maybe not quite. I was a born-again Christian. I was serving the Lord, but not wholeheartedly. And one day the Holy Spirit woke me up in the pew that I was sitting, and I had to run up to the altar. And everybody in the church knew I was an active Christian businessman. And they said to me basically something like this, the pastor, Pastor Floyd E. Meyer, Scott Bailey, Don Shore. I think Noel Boyd was there. Bob Todd. And they said, what are you doing here, Joe? And I said, I'm here to give every molecule that I am made out of to the Lord. I want to be completely surrendered. I remember that like yesterday. 
I think I got most, or if not all, of the people that were there at the altar with me 40, almost 40 years ago. And from that time on, God has called me to be a full-time servant of the Lord. Not that I was without sin, but I has wholeheartedly loved the Lord, and I want you to do the same thing. Can you go to your altar today at church or right in your living room right here, right now, at your altar, bow your knee and say, Lord, I give you all of me, every single atom and molecule that I'm made out of. No longer am I going to straddle the fence. No longer am I going to waver between two opinions. As for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. You are the pastor over your house. You are called to lead them in the ways of God. I remember it. I'll never forget it. That was the second greatest day in my life. Number one was the day I received Christ as my Savior. Number two was the day I surrendered completely to my Savior. Here I am today because of the mercy and grace of God standing behind a pulpit. Now my good friend of about 40-some years said to me not too long ago on the phone, so you're the senior pastor now? I never thought that I would ever get that way. But I'll tell you what, you'll never be that way or you'll never get close to the Lord unless you completely surrender to Him. And that does not mean you're going to be perfect. That means you're going to be surrendered with all of your heart. So, how does this, what does this have to do with the Christian soldier? I'll tell you what. He wants you to be, live a separated life. A separated life. Different than your neighbor. Different than the person you sit beside in church. He wants you to be separated completely unto Him. He wants you. When I was a kid, my dad used to say, Uncle Sam is coming over. And I'd go, Uncle Sam, I remember those posters, you know, of, of Uncle Sam pointing out, I want you. And I thought, my uncle is Uncle Sam? I found out that my Uncle Sam was, he was a war hero. He had several Purple Hearts from World War II. But as I grew up, I found out that somebody else wanted me Somebody else more powerful than Uncle Sam. His name was Jesus Christ. I remember that Jesus wanted me, and it was time for me to surrender to that poster that says, God wants you. Some of us were in the Army or the Navy or the Air Force, and some of us were, were drafted. Some of us had no choice, but some of us willingly signed up.
The difference is in the kingdom of God is you have a choice. When God calls you, you can receive and him and go with him and his ways, or you can say no and go your own way. If you did that in the military, back in my time, you would have been thrown in the brig in Fort Leavenworth for not honoring that call. But today you have a choice. God offers you a choice. You can choose to serve him. It's your choice. I can't make that choice for you. Your wife can't make that choice for you. You know, I was witnessing to this fellow one day, probably about mm, 15 years ago. I was witnessing to him, and he asked me to do something that was wrong against my boss. And I told him, absolutely not. I would not cheat my boss. And he says to me this, you must be one of them born-again Christians. And I said, yes, I am. Are you? And he said, no, I'm in by proxy. I said, in by proxy? He said, yeah, I'm going to heaven by proxy. I said, oh, what do you mean? He says, well, my wife's Jewish, my son's a Christian author, and my daughter's a born-again believer. And I, he says, I'm in by proxy because his wife was a Jew, his son was a Christian author, and I checked him out. He wrote several books, like 20 books. And then... And then... Uh, his daughter was an active, live Christian. He thought he was going in because of their commitments to the Lord. No, that isn't the way God works. I can't get drafted by the U.S. Army and then have my brother stand in my place. No. You have to make your own commitment. It's your choice. You aren't going there because your wife is a Jew or your your son is a good Christian. You're going to go there because you made a choice to follow the Lord thy God, to have no other gods before the Lord. God's never going to force you into his army. You have to enlist of your own free will. And that's what I did many years ago. God is a gentleman. You've heard it many times. He's not going to force you. He will always give you an invitation. But when you join God's army, you have entered into a time of war, Christian. As I said before, it's the war of all ages that has been going on for centuries. And you have now become a part of that war. And it's not time for you to lay down your weapons. It's time for you to pick up your weapons, your biblical weapons, and come against the enemy with your shield of faith. It is written, and your sword of the Spirit that says, there's not a weapon, devil, that you can form against me that's going to prosper. If you accuse me in judgment, I have the authority to condemn you. And I do so because that is my inheritance and my justification is in the Lord God Almighty. Isaiah 54, 17. Paraphrased. 
You're in the war of all ages. You can't die. Physically, maybe. You will never die. Jesus said, don't fear him who's able to kill the body. Fear him who's able to kill the soul. There's only one that can do that. That's the Lord. There's a war going on. Isaiah 5.20, God says this, Cursed are those who call, or woe are those who call evil good and good evil, light darkness and bitter sweet. It's got a whole world that's doing that right now. We're calling, oh, we're calling abortion okay. We're calling lies and cheating okay. No, you're calling evil good? Cursed are you. Woe to you, says the Lord. Listen, in the world today, in politics, you have the light and you have the darkness. And unfortunately, some Christians pick the darkness. Why? Because you didn't like what the, the mouth on the one of the politicians. The other ones are taking the Lord's name in vain. This one was saying, here's the boss. He's the boss. Jesus Christ. Stand up for him. You know, God's a relative term. God is a relative term. Anything can be God. You can worship the stars and say that's God. But the Bible tells us very clearly that it was In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And the Word says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Pick the light, church. Jesus said, I am the light of the world while I am in the world. After he's gone, we are the lights, church. We are the one that reflects the light of Jesus Christ into a dark world. We don't don't reflect the light of Jesus Christ into into a dark platform. We we send it into the the light platform that believes what we believe, conservative types of blue view. We fight with spiritual weapons. We will discuss that as we move on in this study, in the next studies that we're going to have. To the unbeliever out there, I want you to recognize the call. Jesus said this. He said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. That you would go and bear fruit. Mankind has been drafted into the army of God so that we could bear fruit. In other words, bring other people into the kingdom of God. We don't do that. We shut our mouth. We got all these mega churches in the South Florida area, and I was a pastor, one of 29 pastors over one of the mega churches in this area. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands. And on Monday morning, I'm wondering, where are all the Christians? Where did they go overnight? Because Florida 
Palm Beach County, Broward County remain the same. What is going on? We have lost our fire. We have lost the fire and brimstone that we have. We have lost the zeal. I haven't been praying this week, Lord. I haven't had the zeal that I've had in the past. I want it back. I want to be fired up again. You know what? Who any of you ever heard of William Booth? Not John Wilkes Booth. William Booth. William Booth was the founder of the Salvation Army. Here's what John Will, John or William Booth said: the 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 one who created the Salvation Army through his Lord. He said this: Take heed that the fire in your own hearts. For the tendency of fire is to go out. Let me say that again. Take heed of the fire in your own hearts. For the tendency of fire is to go out. And then he gave us three things we need to do. Number one, keep the draft open. That means stay open to the Holy Spirit. You got to have oxygen. You know, Jesus walked among among the lampstands. As he walked by the lampstands, do you know the oxygen from the flow of the the air around him would just push in there and the flame would get brighter. That's a picture of Revelation chapter 2 and 3 and I'll show you some more. Number 2, clear out the ashes. You know what Jesus was doing as he walked through the lampstands to all the churches that he talked about? He was cleaning out the ashes. You know how? He was telling them all, five of the seven churches, he told them to repent. He's cleaning out the ashes just like Josiah did. You need to clean out the ashes. Number three, put on more fuel. Here. You know how you put on more fuel? Moses said that you should read it. Read it. Joshua said you should meditate on it. Jeremiah said you should eat it. Your words were found, and I did eat them, and they became the joy and the delight of my heart. You're to memorize it, says Psalm 119. How can a young man keep his way pure by keeping it according to thy word? Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. You're to hear it. Faith comes by hearing, said Paul. You're to study it. Paul tells Timothy to study and grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're to live it. Whatever you do, do in the name of the Lord. And you know what else you're supposed to do? You're supposed to fall in love with Jesus. 
He tells the church, you've lost your first love. It's time to remember the height from which you have fallen and return. That's what William Booth is saying here. Keep the draft open. Keep the oxygen flying in. How do you do that? By reading the Word of God. Calling upon the Holy Spirit. Keeping yourself crucified. Number two, clear out the ashes. Repent of your sin, your transgression, and your iniquity. You put on more fuel. That means read your Bible. As I said to you, many people come to me and says, God doesn't speak to me anymore. I don't hear His voice. He just told me they don't read their Bible because in the former days God spoke through the prophets. But in these last days, He speaks through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. You aren't reading the Word. You want to hear from God? Read the Word. Most of the time, God will speak to you through the Word first. 99.5% of the time. Because this is the Word of God. And as you're reading it for your situation, the Holy Spirit will just illuminate it for you. Keep the draft open. Put on more fuel. And clear out the ashes. Repent. And that's what Josiah was doing. It's your choice. You've been drawn, drafted into the army of God so that you can win the souls of many other people. Daniel Webster defines believing as adhering to, trusting in, and relying on. So do you really believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you really adhere to Him like glue? Do you really trust in Him with your whole heart? Do you really rely on Him for everything? Your food, your clothing, your shelter, your job, your wife, your children, your spouse. It's no longer Uncle Sam calling you. It is the Lord God Almighty Jesus Christ calling you. What a high calling. If you have the audacity to say no, you are in a bad place. Some people think they're in the kingdom because they think they're wearing the garments of God, but they really aren't. They aren't wearing the robe of righteousness. Jesus told us a parable about a wedding feast. And in the wedding feast, there were people in there without wedding garments on. They thought they could get into the feast because they did good works. They were charitable. They thought it was their righteousness that allowed them to get into the kingdom. But the Word of God is very clear. It's Christ's righteousness. He who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We're made righteous by Jesus and not Anything else. Isaiah 61 says, 61.10 says that he has clothed us with the robe of his righteousness. It isn't your righteousness. You can't get into the kingdom of heaven or to the wedding feast with, with garments that are not Christ. 
It's Christ's righteousness. It's time for you, soldier, to re-up. Those of you soldiers that have backslidden, it's time for you to re-up once again. It's time for you to test yourself and examine yourself to see if you really are a Christian. Listen, times are getting rough out there. It's time for us to stand firm, stand strong, commit to the Lord Jesus Christ like Josiah did. Pray for those worship services that are being shut down by cities that want money instead of God. They would rather have money instead of God. I feel sorry for them. It's my job to correct them. It's your job to correct them. A soldier can fall many times, but he rises again. The first step is once you're knocked off your feet, soldier, is to get on your knees. You are fighting from victory, not to victory. Jesus already won the battle. Your captain is in the war with you. He gave us a great co-mission. He said, go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And listen to this. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, a co-mission. You work with the Lord Jesus Christ. So if any of you, brethren, have erred from the truth, and one convert him, which I hope this message does, let him know that he who converts a sinner from the error of his ways shall save him from a multitude of sin and shall save his soul from death. So it's time to re-up, soldier. God's looking for a few good men and women that are willing to turn away from their sin and get back inside the perimeter of God. God's eyes are roving to and fro over the face of the earth, seeking those whose hearts are right towards Him. I pray today your heart is right towards Him. Stay within the perimeter once you get back in. All you got to do to get back inside the perimeter of God, into the stronghold of God, is to get on your knees with your heart and repent. And you will automatically, like that, be back into the perimeter of God. Remember Jesus was walking on the water and the, the disciples were halfway across the Sea of Galilee and they saw Jesus walking on the water and, and he said to them, Do not fear, it is I. As soon as he stepped back into the boat, did you notice that immediately they were at dry land? They were four miles out in the Sea of Galilee, about the middle of the Sea of Galilee, which is about seven and a half, eight miles across. And all of a sudden, when Jesus got in the boat with them, they were at the other side. Listen, same here. You get on your knees, you repent, and immediately you'll be inside the perimeter of God. And then it's up to you to get trained, read, study, show, meditate, memorize, eat, hear, grow in, live in 
and love the Lord Jesus Christ with all of your heart. The church is your stronghold. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as is the habit of some, but you need to encourage one another, and all the more as the day draws near. Listen, i got to end it there. I could go on and on and on, but here's the thing. Heed your captain. Take your Bible out right now, or get a notepad and put this down there. Today, February 7th, 2021, I gave my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. I turned from my sin. I asked God to forgive me and to give me the Holy Spirit to help me walk a disciplined, separated life. Sign it and save it because I guarantee you as you walk with the Lord someday you'll need to look at it and say here's the day I committed my life or I received Jesus Christ as my Savior. Let's close. And if you did that please send me an email joe at freedomchurchpb for Palm Beach dot org Joe at freedomchurchpb.org. And let me know that you've done it so that we can, we can rejoice with the angels in heaven that you came back to the Lord. We need every soldier we can get in this dark, dark world. The more light we get, the more it drives out the darkness, and you just became a, a, a soldier of light in the army of God battling in the war of all the ages which is about to end very soon. God bless you in Jesus' name. I give, you, I give God the glory. You are holy, Lord. Blessed is your holy name. I pray, Lord God, that these people pulled up their bootstraps and they're unashamed of the gospel of Christ. And they go right now and tell their neighbor, their friend, their mother, their father, their sister, their brother, that they just recommitted or they gave their life to the Lord Jesus Christ because he died for them and he loved them so much. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, church. I love you all. Tune in next week, 10 o'clock. Bye-bye.